0: All right, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Anxious Marketers Podcast. You have Hannah and Mia as usual,
1: and I'm so excited to be here again. I'm so excited too. We're at episode two. I'm so proud of us for not canceling. I feel like we're both such introverted people that. It's hard to leave the house sometimes or muster up the social energy.
0: Yeah, I think I totally agree. As I was driving here, I was thinking about that. But I think there's something to be said about when you're excited about something. It makes it easier to do it.
1: Yeah, and when you're doing it with your friends. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just nice. I'm so excited. Me
0: too. Since this is our second episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about some marketing things. Yes. And more specifically, we're going to be talking about sales and marketing. Or sales versus marketing, as some like to say.
1: Yeah the the sales versus marketing debacle that just is it myth? Is it fact? Is it a legend? Is it a legend?
0: <laughs> is it folklore? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Taylor Swift
0: reference.
1: <laughs> um, but before we get into that,
0: I want to start with what we're proud of from the past seven days. Okay, do you want to go first? Um. Yeah. So, what am I proud of? It's always hard to
1: think of it. You did your SKO speech.
0: I did. So this past week, my current company, we took a trip to Tampa and we had a super awesome, we actually called it MSC23, which means marketing, sales, and channel. So it was all the marketing folks, all the sales folks, and the channel folks. I get to sit in between both channel and marketing. And I got to give two presentations about our marketing strategy for channel and what we're going to be focusing on for the next H2 for H2. That's a fun term. So that was really fun. And I got to meet all my work friends in person and it just kind of verified the friendships that I thought were there. So that was really cool. So I'm it's amazing. Yeah, it looked like you were
1: having a really good time. All of your coworkers seemed so cool. So I'm they so are. happy. Marketing I'm so happy for are you. Always cool. It marketing, was fun. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm never let down by marketing people. Yeah,
0: it was a good time. But what are you proud of this week?
1: So, so I Okay, so I graduated my Full yes, Stack you did. Web Development Bootcamp. Mm-hmm. So I'm a certified full stack web developer now. I'm so excited. We turned in our last group project and it was quite an experience. I had never been so tired in my whole life. And I I took my mental health day the day after we turned in our final project. And I literally stayed in bed all day. But I'm really proud of myself for making it through six months of just know life and just work and school. And yeah, that's just a goal I've always had. So I'm excited. That's a really big
0: deal. I'm really proud of you because now you're a full stack web developer, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Full stack. But, but that's so cool. But I will say I really I, I kind of had a feeling that I would prefer front end just mm-hmm. because of all of the email development experience I have. And just I just love web design and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I can do back-end. I will figure it out. Um, it's just not as fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's the biggest difference? Because
0: I... I guess I know a little about front-end, and I worked with some game developers, so I, I don't know what end that would be, but what's the difference for those like me who don't know?
1: The front-end is what you see and how it functions, like what you see functioning on a web page or an app, and the back-end is all the stuff that stores your data and secures your password and retrieves your data and interacts with the server to pull information or post information mm-hmm um update information yeah that sounds a lot it's like it's not really um a visual Mm -hmm. thing and a lot of back end can be a little bit more abstract Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because there's some people that really prefer back end which is like that is just not my brain it's so it's crazy but yeah i love that actually
0: at my um one of my old companies i had a friend and everyone called him the back end overlord
1: because, wow. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: Cuz he did do like anything that was back end. We always said it was his problem. So, um I appreciate the work he did for that and I'm excited for you to be doing front end. That's thank so cool. You.
1: Yeah, thank you. So, just uh I'm not looking for a new job right now, which mm. sounds a little crazy to spend so much time and money on developing a brand new skill and something that's not completely different from marketing because we have a web developer in marketing of course like that is a common thing but i like where i'm at right now and i think i just want to like continue practicing coding and fixing up my portfolio and i just want to do stuff on the side with coding and just continue learning um and just kind of see where where things go but i'm happy that's so that's
0: so great it's really cool to think about too because i remember circa 2019 the origin story of our friendship like I do remember you talking about wanting to do that eventually and just seeing it come to fruition is so cool and I think there's something to be said about like we say in therapy adding a new tool to your toolkit and now you're a front or a full Full stack. stack web developer and like just because you pursued that doesn't mean you have to change your work identity or anything it's just an addition to every other awesome skill you have
1: exactly and like i'm sorry to harp on it for so long but i think it kind of goes with like the anxious marketer because Mm -hmm. everyone well first of all my whole family was really worried about me when i said i was doing this because they're like are you are you manic right now (laughs) (laughs) um and also just like the risk of getting burnt out from from doing that and like i definitely did get burnt out but um I'm also proud of myself because even though I got a little bit burned out, I was relatively like stable mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout all of it. Good. It just it just goes to show that being in a good place mentally, emotionally, personally, spiritually, like all the things It can you can really just like do the thing that you have been saying you want to do for forever. So yes. do it. Do the thing. Do-
0: Speaking of things that you've wanted to do forever, I actually. Mia already knows this, but I'm going back to school to get my master's in clinical mental health counseling, which my family was also like, what does that have to do with marketing? And I was like, nothing. But <laughs> also, I don't like everything. I don't know. It yeah. Doesn't necessarily, at least for me, like have to line up. But it is something I've said I've wanted to do for a long time. So yep. just like Mia, except it'll be two years from now, I'll be in the same position. I'm not looking to get out of marketing. I just kind of want to keep learning. So I'm super excited about yeah, that.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You're gonna be a master, a master, a, a master. master. You're gonna um,
0: counseling. That's I, ironic. Yeah, <laughs> but back to the, you know, topic of today's podcast. Yes, sales versus or and marketing. So, yeah, Mia, I'd love to hear just kind of your high level thoughts about both. Maybe. In your own words, describe
1: like what sales is and what marketing is just to kind of kick us off. Okay, so in my own thoughts, sales is really like the one interacting with the customer. It's much more of a personalized experience for sales because marketing is one to many. We speak to an audience, whereas sales is really they're the ones that are on the ground, the front lines that are actually talking to the customer before their assigned deal and they're finding out what that customer is looking for and where our product lines up. Whereas marketing, we're kind of trying to educate people more about our product or about what we do or who we are. And we can take feedback from sales and implement that into our marketing messaging. So that's what I got. What about you?
0: I love that. I think I love how you talked about the relationship side of it because for me and probably for a lot of people when I think of sales, I think about like the transaction or like the conversion. I think of marketing as being the ones who get people interested in the product and mm. then sales are the ones that then take that that lead or that person or that company and they really make the final transaction. They have the final conversations. Yep. And something that I've kind of thought more about recently is how they're not separate and they shouldn't be. They should be like the best the best of friends. The yes. Yes. Like every successful coworker or peer that I've talked to kind of use it that way. But I, I really see like marketing as we talked about this at our MSc last week, but we talked about how one of the reps was saying, Yeah, like it was like a layup from you know, this other person. And I really think that marketing should be like getting the best customers, taking feedback from sales to make sure that they're revising like the leads that we're getting in. So I think I explained the difference or what I think the difference is or the definition is. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially marketing is like setting the stage, getting the right people, like you said, education. Yeah. And then, um, sales is like the slam dunk they're like thanks got it from here if we if we as marketers do our job right then sales should be able to like take the ball like to the hoop or yeah the net or whatever I play soccer so the goal (laughs) yeah sports we love sports here (laughs) I'm just
1: kidding yeah no actually I really love that analogy and um I, I like that you said that um you know for sales to be successful they it really should come from marketing and it making it easier for sales to to you know get the goal mm-hmm. it, marketing is the assist yes the assist we get points for the assist and we sales gets sports and <laughs> yeah and sales gets the goal um and i love that you said that sales and marketing should be best friends mm-hmm. but i'm kind of thinking that it's more like enemies to lovers trope or vice versa <laughs>
0: is usually how it plays out (laughs) it kind of seems like that when you start a new company there's like the the sales like lounge over here and then there's like marketing over here and it's like do we talk are we friends like yeah like are they too cool for me am I too cool for them and then like the more you work at a company the more you're like oh wow like we're all just flawed people (laughs) and (laughs) yeah
1: Oh my gosh. Well, what has your experience been in the past with sales and marketing? Being on the marketing side of things, how has um how have you helped like the relationship grow or have you seen friction and how did you solve that? Like all the things all I want to know.
0: Well, I kind of mentioned it in the last um episode and like when I started my career, I did a marketing internship, but then I was a recruiter which I I don't want to say they're sales people for people, but I don't know, kind of we like, yeah, trying to get the right people to get jobs. And so at that company, like, I think that marketing and sales or, you know, the reps, like we were really aligned because marketing had space to present the reasoning behind the campaigns they were doing, the emails they were giving us to send. And so that was a really good experience. And that was when I kind of fell in love with marketing. So for me, I was like, oh, we're friends. Like, I want to (laughs) do, I want to do, like, the cool emails they're giving me. um, But I can't speak too much to being, like, a sales rep because I haven't done it before. But that was, like, my baby experience in it. And then after that, there was the one company we worked at together. They thought that we were the IT department, but we were marketing. So that was an interesting... (laughs) That was interesting. I love, I love that sales team so much. But they, they weren't too sure like what the difference was like I don't know if they understood at least while I was there like the value that we were bringing other than like fixing the website helping with their email signatures which is all marketing Um, and then I don't know I've heard the legend of you know sales versus marketing for a while and from my perspective to every salesperson I've ever talked to they were excited about what I was doing so they were either lying or they were actually (laughs) Like there wasn't any animosity there. I do think that there has been times in the past, though, when we'll develop something as marketers that we think will be super helpful. But sales often is moving towards the end of the month goals or the end of the quarter goals. And obviously, we too, we are also doing that as marketers. But like marketing, we always think long term average marketing campaign takes 90 days to go full cycle. And in, in some companies, the sales cycle is only 30 days. So they can't really wait or they don't I don't want to say they don't want to wait, but they can't wait for that return on investment or they don't want to or their leadership isn't telling them to or there's no real guidance at all in how marketing should work with sales. So I think that just the biggest thing is I've created content for sales and then they don't use it because they forget or they get a new idea. So they go down a different path. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, this is here for you. And they're like, no, it's cool. We're we're doing a different thing. And so that that can be I don't want to say frustrating, but it's just something to grow through. Yeah. At least the content is now made. So if they ever come back to wanting to do that strategy, it's in the Google drive for them. So I think in my experience overall, it's been a good relationship, but maybe I've just been lucky to work with cool sales reps, but it does get different as you kind of move up the ladder. And I know that this is something that you have thought a lot about, like when you're just a content writer working with a sales rep, that you're both kind of tactical, like on the ground. But then when it when you're in different rooms with leadership and management, that conversation can be totally different on where the priorities are and who's steering the ship. So I think that's all I have to say about that right now. But I'll put that back at you. So what's your experience been with like sales versus marketing or sales and marketing? How have you like overcome any obstacles if there were
1: any? Yeah. Well, I just want to say you're just the most positive, friendly person that it's impossible for people to not like you. I just like <laughs> love your perspective so much on it because I think it's really refreshing. I
0: could just be naive, though.
1: No, I don't think you are. <laughs> I think you're just genuinely lovable, <laughs> which is amazing. You. I guess from my last company, I got to be in the room with all of the leadership mm-hmm. and there were at times some like, well, what is marketing doing? Why isn't marketing doing this? Yeah. Or, you know, what are you doing then? Or what like, what are you do? What <laughs> are you? <laughs> um, which can be a little bit frustrating. And when I was a content writer and when I was just a marketing coordinator, I didn't see it as much because I really didn't need to interact with the sales department that much. At least that was the culture at the time of where yeah. I worked. And I think A big, a big part of it is culture, and is leadership is where it all stems from. Mm -hmm. I think that sales and marketing should be talking all the time. I, I think that onboarding should include being onboarded with the sales team too, so that everyone knows each other.
0: Sales process, even as a marketer. Yes.
1: Um. And I just, I, I don't think that they, they're separate. Obviously, we have our different strategies and our different goals and KPIs, but. We're all trying to do the same thing. So I don't understand any sort <laughs> of like rivalry. It just doesn't compute to me. And the other thing is, is I just have so much admiration for all salespeople. They're I, a different breed. I love that. It's a whole other breed. I wish I could be a salesperson. To be a, a good salesperson, like you're they're usually the best people in the room mm-hmm. and just the most fun and most talkative and. Interesting, or they're the most interested in you, which is Mm -hmm. exactly their job. There's been salespeople that I've talked to that I'm like, oh my god, is that my best friend? And you were literally like, well, they are in sales. (laughs) That is true. Um,
0: but they're also genuine. Yeah, I don't think you could stay in that line of work so long without having some kind of care for people and the stories you're
1: hearing and the stories you're telling. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you said in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Is just like. Is showing up authentically so mm. important because otherwise it's just not sustainable. Like mm. those those sorts of people, there's a reason they're in sales because that sort of thing is their superpower. It's like their they're, niche, they're authentically just really great people. People, yeah, people, people, <laughs> yeah, they're people persons. I don't people. know the word. I'm in a silly goofy like mood today. <laughs> it's okay. Um. But yeah, I I have been in situations and places where there is a sales versus marketing rivalry. I think it's really cool though where I'm at now is we have weekly sales and marketing meetings together. I try to message and like hound the salespeople as much as possible. Like, is this asset helpful for you? Is it would it be helpful for me to do this? Would it be helpful for me to do that? What do you need? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. what's gonna make your life easier? And there are times as well that I found a marketing leader will be like, well, they don't need another this. They need to focus on selling and that's not our priority. And I totally get that too. Like pulling some of the marketing levers, it takes time, mm-hmm. like 90 days. Mm-hmm. Or it like it takes 90 days for Google to index a new blog and for it to start getting traction on the search mm-hmm. results page. Um, but sales doesn't see that and sometimes they really need help like in the in the immediate moment Mm -hmm. I just love being helpful and I think that's why I love marketing so much is Mm -hmm. because I want to help the salespeople achieve all of their goals as best as possible so I don't know that's all I got to say I love
0: it I um as you were talking about that it kind of reminded me of being like marketing is like a doctor or like a person who's at the front of an armory and we have all, I don't want to say weapons, but we have all the tools. And so they come in and they're like, what trigger can we pull? What do you have for this situation? And we can be really diagnostic with the stuff that we need. And we don't know what help sales needs if they don't tell us. Um, So I think that keeping the lines of communication open is super important because um, like you said, having a weekly meeting or biweekly where you're hearing directly from sales, like this is like, a takeaway piece that prospects have been wanting for their teams or this is a topic that's come up a lot. And maybe sales doesn't know exactly what to do with that information. But if you bring it to marketing, you know, Mia or myself, like we might say, oh, maybe that's a webinar we could do or a blog um, Mm -hmm. or a one pager. So just getting that information from sales is super helpful because in marketing, we, you know, have NPS scores or if we send out review emails or You know, if you have a great customer success team that's funneling in feedback, that can be helpful. But one thing I really love about my current company is we had the conversation about, you know, if sales is working really hard to get a deal that's important to us, we'll do anything that we can as marketers to push that over the line. Like, do they need to see the information in a new way? Do they need a different visual? Do they need a video or a blog? Or, you know, is this prospect more interested in a presentation? And like as marketing, like we want to be friends with sales so we can say, hey, let's get this built for you so that we can mutually win on this deal. So that's exciting. When there's those moments where you can come together and do something really good for the end user, it feels really good because you've yeah. delighted them and made their day <laughs> attract, <laughs> engage delight. Um, but I think that that's really fun.
1: That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I think that when you can come together, too, to build something that's a little bit more off the cuff, like, I know, you know, my plans for content mm-hmm. kind of span for the rest of the year. Like, we're in age two, and mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what the rest of the content is going to entail for the remainder of 2023, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes there are things that just come in from sales that are like, we actually kind of need this now, and it's more, might be more important, or like, this is going to close a deal, and... Our sales cycle is longer than some other businesses because they're big partners and they're very specific and Mm. they have to fit into our ICP. Everything is, you know, has to be aligned. Um, And it's a really big purchasing decision. Marketing leaders may not love this, but sometimes I'm like, okay, they need this tomorrow. I'm going to put everything aside and help them with this by tomorrow because it could potentially close a deal. And that's one more deal this month than we would have had before so i don't know
0: yeah i i agree i think that if you have your long term goals for the quarter and the sales team asks for something tomorrow one day in the grand yeah. scheme of 16 weeks or whatever it's not going to be a loss if you win exactly a new so it's like <laughs> hey boss like i know that this isn't really on my roles and responsibilities. But if it's going to help all of us win, I'm going to do it. And I think that having the autonomy to make that choice is super helpful. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say, I remember now that your line of thought kind of brought up is I just recently started my new role. And so I'm meeting with the partner managers and the sales teams leads to see what content they want. Like you said, like, hey, I'm building out my roadmap for the next you know, three months, if I could do anything for you, what would it be? And if all three of them say, oh, we really need a new pitch deck, like, of course, I'll do it for you. Or yeah, if all three of them are like, hey, we really need a takeaway sheet on this, like, this will really help us close more deals, like I'm going to do it. But including them in the conversation before yeah you build out the roadmap is it makes it unnecessary to to kind of check as you go you can say hey we already set the stage for the whole quarter right and then there will be less one-off asks that come up hopefully if you're already considering sales in the beginning
1: yeah yes exactly and you know for for marketing i mean we always have our i guess top of funnel goals or our brand awareness goals or what we can do to drive demand Mm and create demand capture demand but there is still a time and place for when you know it is always our role and responsibility to make things a little bit easier for sales wherever yeah. we can. But having the autonomy to figure out, like, is this reasonable for me to do or is this actually like a salesperson's job? Like they need to write their own email or whatever. Yeah. Um. I guess it really depends on the company, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. OK. So a helpful exercise that I've I like to do whenever I start a new role or position or anything like that. Is a customer journey map, mm-hmm. and this I was I I was learned. I was gonna say I was learned this. <laughs> learned, learned. I learned this um, in my first role. Is just like whether it's factual or just the hypotheticals of all the people that you talk to within your company, but kind of laying out a customer journey map and hypothesizing what your customers are asking or looking for before they even know you exist, and just mm-hmm. going through step-by-step step on their journey I think is really helpful for one building content but two also that's your chance of building relationships with other people within the company because mm-hmm. you can hear from operations at that point you are obviously you can talk to sales and ask them like what are the questions that people are asking you in your first meetings with them their second meetings etc and then even customer success like what are they hearing from mm-hmm. so it helps you with identifying what the gaps that people on the front lines are seeing and hearing and mm-hmm. also the gaps is already exist within your content so it kind of can go hand in hand that way if figuring you're that out. new to marketing um that's like
0: fire advice right there if you're in like the beginning of a new job that that customer journey mapping strategy is like mia said like i just have to reiterate it because i just think it's so smart but it <laughs> gives you a full picture of the business and the and the product you're marketing and who you're marketing to but also like you said it's it's giving you something to talk to people about you're like hey I'm new here I'm just trying to build out our customer journey can we chat for 15 minutes so I can get your perspective I want to make sure that every you know thought is included yeah um so I think that's a really smart not just like marketing strategy but also professional development strategy to really Show people that you're looking out for everyone's best interests, but at the end of the day, you're going to do your marketing thing. You're going to make sure that you really get, like, the marketing perspective so you can draw content from that. So that's, like, fire advice. Oh,
1: thanks. I actually did
0: that in my my new job, too. Yeah. And I built out, like, our ICP. Yeah. So it's important because, like I said in the other episode, the first episode, knowing your audience and yeah. what they're going through, what they're feeling, any content you make,
1: irrespective of that, is going to be ineffective. Cause you're right. like who is this for
0: yeah so. exactly
1: yeah and hopefully wherever you go there already is a customer journey mm-hmm. map and if that's the case then whenever you start you should be checking in on your customer journey map and where where it's still aligned mm-hmm. and where your product has either evolved or the the strategy has evolved and you know what what new gaps can you identify what's changed about the conversations that sales have had with their customers what conversate what gaps in the product have been identified since then and now like the the partner success team is having different conversations and so i i don't think it's it's not something that should just be like oh we did the customer journey map not not going to look at mm-hmm. it again for a year it's probably a lot different a year later yeah. you know <laughs> and that's just something that sales and marketing should keep a really strong pulse on mm-hmm um, but yeah, I love the customer journey map. I don't know. it's I don't want to say basic. It's just marketing mm-hmm. one-on-one. But um, it's also, I found, going into new places, a lot of the times there no one thought to write that out or yeah. <laughs> put that in a visual of what the customer journey map looks like and what the personas look like. And it should be really clear, clearly defined and everyone should know what is on that. So that's all. I agree. It's especially... When you think
0: of being a customer first company, like so many people want to be nowadays, if you are doing onboarding and every single person in the company can look at that customer journey map, then everyone knows what's in it for the customer. And also a point for marketing leadership, maybe every time someone new joins your team, have them take their own stab at the customer journey, not doing the whole thing over, but saying, hey, I know it's your first week, take a look at this. Journey that we have. Are there any gaps that you can see? I think that that would be a really cool way to teach your new team member what the product is about, but also allowing them the space to kind of bring their own expertise and what they've seen. So, hot tip: if you're a marketing leader, when someone new comes along, have them look at that so that they can really, you know, feel invested in the customer journey. And also to Mia's point, not every company has one when you get there, especially if you work in startups, which. I've been blessed to work in a lot of startups. I kind of thrive when there's like nothing and I'm just grabbing it and putting it in line. Yeah. That's, I think it's really fun. So I know Mia and I both have worked at startups for the entirety of our career. Yeah. Or at least like startup marketing teams. So the companies existed, but they're like, what's marketing? (laughs) And we're like, I'll tell you. So, um, yeah, I think that that's super, super fun. So if you like kind of being the first person to build that relationship with sales and marketing start startups is really really good for that because you can kind of build it how you want to if you have the right leadership
1: yeah question for you so if you had walked into a place and the sales and marketing relationship was not aligned and it just seemed like there was a lot of friction or tension or whatever what kind of steps would you take to position yourself better in that environment or what advice would you give?
0: So that's a good question. And it's actually something that I've had the opportunity to do a few times, but not not necessarily with regards to sales. But I think the principle is still the same. Since I work in partnerships, I get the opportunity to talk with business partners who might have interacted with a different manager before me or you know, a different process before me. And that's that's great because, you know, there might be some things that were happening that they loved. There might be things that they didn't like. And I think that's the same for sales and marketing. I think introductions are a great time for repair. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a new face, they shouldn't have any beef with me because they don't know me yet. So I always come in and I, I you know, let them know like, hey, I'm on your team. I don't know what your experience has been so far, but I want to know. Yeah. Tell me what worked for you. Tell me what's not working. And then I really take that into consideration when I kind of plan my go go forward strategy. So I think that introductions, like I said, are a good time to kind of reset. So there's partners I've worked with in the past where the communication wasn't great or maybe it was too frequent. And so I say, you know, what works for you? Because as a marketer and as a servant leader, I'll make it work for me to the best of my ability. And of course, if it makes sense. So I think that introductions are the way to repair. So, if you're new or you have a new person on your team, you can kind of champion and champion. I oh, I love that word, but I always say it wrong. You can champion and champion that champion. person. Such a struggle. Um, you can encourage that person to kind of build new bonds. And yeah, so that's what I would do. I would try to make a newness out of it, even if you've been at a company for five years, finding some kind of like genesis. Whether it's a new project or a new product or organizational change, finding something new that you can say, hey, this is a fresh start for us. How do we make it mutually beneficial?
1: Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great, a great point is just having a reason to repair, it, whether that's like you're new at the company or maybe new in the role, a new project. There's always room for discussion and improvement and feedback. And hopefully you have a place where that, that is really open and can be on the table. Mm-hmm. For me, our sales and marketing meeting, that's new, but it's actually been really great because we didn't really have the sales and marketing relationship before as close as any of us probably wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's always a time to circle back to things and check in and talk as a team, like what's what's working, what's not. And usually you're all probably going to be on the same page. I want to add to the
0: new introduction or a new quarter, like that's a good time to reset. But it also doesn't have to be so, I don't want to say sneaky, like you can literally just say, hey, guys, you said this isn't working. Let's start over. Yeah. Or, Let's rebuild this and just be honest and authentic about it. I think that that builds trust to the people in my career that I've come to trust the most are the ones that are just straight up honest with me. Yeah. So I think that if you are having issues in sales and marketing, just kind of, you know, finding who the right advocates are. And saying, hey, these things aren't working, but this is what I think we should do to fix it. Like never, this is professional 101, never bring up a problem without a solution. Yeah. So if you're going to say, hey, this isn't working, be prepared for your boss to ask you, well, what do you suggest? So yeah, I think that just straight up saying we're not doing great or we're not having fun or this isn't working, that is also a very viable and valid option. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's good advice for sure. So whenever we're thinking about sales versus marketing and how they kind of work together where do you really see the most impact on that relationship coming from do you think it's like a trickle down effect or yeah what's the opposite of that <laughs> trickle don't.
1: up trickle up <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> um i 100% starts at leadership i think it's creating a culture of community between sales and marketing and that that should be the responsibility of leadership. If I have a a leader whether they're in marketing or sales and they're going, oh, marketing doesn't know what they're doing. So, like we're just going to do our own thing or like vice versa. Mm. If you're hearing that from your leader as one of the more tactical people beneath them, then it just kind of that creates the divide and that's an issue. Mm. And if you are on a leadership level, that should not really be Trickle down to the people below you or any of that. The teams should be in sync at all times and on good terms. And even when things are a little bit tense or you're all trying to reach your monthly goal, it all starts from leadership. So if you have a leader that's saying, well, don't help them or don't do that because that's not your job. I think that, you know, with it starting at the leadership level, it can be
0: difficult if you're working under someone that kind of doesn't want sales and marketing to talk. But I don't think that should scare you from trying. Yeah. Cause I, I know in my previous roles what's really made me effective effective is I've, you know, been given advice like, oh, you don't need to talk to those people. You don't need to worry about what product is doing or what sales is doing. But I like to talk. And so <laughs> I'm going to ask them. You are a
1: communications major. Yeah. Um,
0: but I I don't know. I would just take that responsibility to mend those relationships or see what they need. Obviously, if you have agreed upon goals with your manager, don't forsake those things. Yeah. But if you, you know, spend 10 minutes a day on TikTok, maybe take that time and go talk to a sales rep, you know. So I think it's important, especially when it comes to goal setting, if the leadership of marketing and sales really understands that the goals are the same. They're the yeah. same. They're maybe at different points in the journey, but we're all rowing towards the same island. I don't know where I come up with these analogies. So about.
1: great. I think it's like a marketer's thing. because I know I'm just used to
0: branding. Yeah, But yeah, I think that as a sales leader, and I'm going to keep talking about the sales conference I was just at because it was just so good. But we talked about our mutual goals. You know, how many leads does marketing need to bring in? that turn into, you know, sales qualified leads that then turn into um, closed deals. Like that's literally what I'm at work for. I'm at work to make sure that the salespeople are closing deals. So I think that just having a mutual understanding that, hey man, I'm here to get you like cast a big net full of all the best fish and then it's up to you to bring it home. I think that Any sales leader or marketing leader that doesn't see those things being like literally on the same path, they're looking at it wrong. Yeah. And I think that just aligning on goals, maybe not every single goal is going to be, you know, exactly the same, but there are goals that are similar. Attrition is a big deal. Yeah. And that starts with making sure you're getting the right customers in the door. They're being treated well through the sales process. They're getting the right messaging. Yeah. The messaging that you, you know showed them oh man this is a whole other conversation but that the marketing that they're reading is the same information that they're healing hearing in the sales process yeah that's the same as the product that they're getting in the end like that that in itself is the one of the biggest reasons marketing and sales should be best friends is because customers want a consistent experience because if if you don't give them that they're gonna leave right
1: like if you say we offer this sort of solution and then turns out after they're signed that Mm -hmm. the solution is kind of wonky yeah maybe not as good as you know we were talking about in our our branding our campaigns yeah that's bad
0: it is bad (laughs) and it can even happen for marketers too if we put something on the website that
1: sometimes we don't know
0: technically correct yeah and then the sales engineers are like that's not what that does that's also bad for the customer so totally yeah that in
1: itself is why
0: That marketing and sales should be best friends.
1: Yeah. And another thing I wanted to add is, you know, sometimes there's tension because it's like, oh, well, marketing's bringing in 500 MQLs a month and they're hitting their goals every single month with bringing in enough leads. But if sales and marketing are not talking to each other and all those 500 leads, only four of them are actually turning into Mm -hmm. sales qualified leads. That's a marketing issue, Mm -hmm. you know? That's not a sales issue that they can't hit their numbers that's yeah. marketing using the wrong channels or using the wrong messaging or not delivering enough education mm-hmm. for the lead before that they before they even get to sales so that's another thing if they're not converting past the form which is already a big deal for them to do and then they're not you know continuing the conversation then that's that's w- enough reason for sales marketing to be besties and talking and finding out why are all these leads not our customers like why are they not turning into our customers whether that's a 90 day sales cycle or they just go cold or they weren't actually looking for our product and thought they were like what is the issue because you have to identify that together and think of a solution together yeah and you might not get
0: that feedback if you don't talk to the salespeople. After they call that lead, who ended up not caring, exactly. If you never follow up, you're not going to probably know why your form isn't working past that. And something you said reminded me of another reason marketing and sales should be friends is event marketing.
1: Oh, oh, if you send,
0: if you send your team to an event and and they come back with a list, or marketing gets a list from a webinar, and you only have so much time. To call on those leads before they filled out someone else's form and turned it into someone else's customer. And that's not just sales or marketing's fault. It's everybody's fault if there's not communication on how that list is gonna be handled.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Part of like sales marketing tension sometimes is that sales is like, we want every single person that has ever filled out a form ever. If they're interested in us, then they raise their hand and we're gonna call them. But sometimes in marketing, there are lists that are not allowed to go to sales until they they click the right button, right. you know, or <laughs> have the right intent data behind their their journey. Not every marketing lead is a sales lead yet. Yeah,
0: yeah. You don't want to pull the trigger too soon if the customer or the lead isn't ready. You only get one chance at a first impression, and I think there's always time to amend that impression but if a lead's not ready or you know they haven't had enough information they might think you're being pushy or they might not really understand why you're calling them if they're just browsing and you're like come on man let's close the deal they're not yeah they're gonna be turned off by that
1: yeah I hate when I fill out a form on a website for a downloadable asset a freebie (laughs) and I get a call from a salesperson the next day or the day of because I like that's just, that's just misunderstanding mm-hmm. the intent behind why I filled out the form. Yeah. I filled out a form because I wanted something that was going to help me do my job. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love newsletters. I love being on company newsletters because one, I love to see how they format them and mm-hmm. what the design looks like. Um, But two, it does, it helps keep them top of mind for me, but I don't have to, no one's talking to me yet. Like, yes. and I'm not, you know, I am not a decision maker for purchasing, but like, if there was a use case or a time where it came up like, hey, we need to we wanna switch our demand generation platform or something, I can think of three off the top of my head right now that I subscribe to the newsletter for that I think would be awesome to have conversations with that I can bring to my to my people leader. But yeah, there's different types of forms and different types of lead generation. And sometimes you just gotta let marketing nurture those people and continue to educate them and build an audience and just give people the freedom to stay top of mind Mm -hmm. and not a we're on fire sale
0: you know yeah no I agree and I think that those newsletters that you mentioned like I always think of HubSpot I love I (gasps) they respect me yeah they're like hey Hannah here's your monthly newsletter yeah hey is this too much we'll do every other month I think that that their respect for me makes me respect them because they're respecting my intentions you know, I think that that's important. Those companies that you really respect, it's not that they don't reach out or they don't call you. It's just that they haven't really mastered the intent that the customer has and when the moment to reach out is. Yeah. And I think that at startups, that's just something that takes time to build. But it's a conversation that sales and marketing need to be having together if it's yeah. going to work. Would you ever want to work in sales?
1: No. Never in my whole life. (laughs) Just like I said earlier, I have the most admiration for salespeople. I think that they are the coolest and usually the nicest, most charismatic people. And I am a creative. I'm just a creative introvert. I really just like to make things Mm. and design things and strategize what content that they will need. But I, I'm, I, I cannot be pushy. I'm not like. I can't even make a phone call to, like, go to my doctor. Like, I really need to go see my doctor and I just can't. I can't. I, I would nope. not be able to do it. Um, I think they have just, I think they have tough jobs and the salespeople that I work with are just amazing at what they do and I don't need to be getting in there ruining it.
0: Yeah, especially when you, I mean, I really only have most of my experiences in B2B. Sales and that's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. Like, I have so much respect for those that are selling software and making recommendations that, like you said, it's a longer decision cycle. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big decision. And people only make the decision to buy software every so often. It's not like you buy a new software for payments every year. So, I think that I don't think I could ever do sales either because for the same reason, I I'm up and down. I get a little anxious, get a little <laughs> yeah. nervous. They'd be like, "Hannah, last week you crushed it, and this week you've made three calls." And I'm like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, yep." It's that time, so, that week, my, <laughs> it's, you know, just you know, trying my best. But um, I do like marketing because a lot of the stuff we work on can be long term. It's like a variation between long and short term goals and projects. So I think that that is more my style yeah than sales but like you said I respect the sales people I work with and have worked with so much I think they're so cool yeah and I think that it's really exciting um I was brought in on a couple calls to help you know sell the product that was like maybe three times it was it was a thrill because I was like <laughs> we have to sell without selling and I'm like ooh, you know like I don't care if you don't care but you know it's There's, just a yeah. really fun conversation and then the anxiety, but also excitement and anticipation I had waiting to know if if they close the deal. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. And I think that could be exciting every day. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sure it is really exciting. I mean, I think that's why, like, I always think of Wolf over Wall Street. Like, they're just out of their minds. <laughs> it must be such a thrill and so much adrenaline. But also, I am a highly sensitive person. And yeah. adrenaline, to me, turns into... Toxic ache. panic attack. <laughs> My <laughs> yes. body cannot tell the difference between the, the adrenaline and, you know, panic, like life life ending panic. Deaf.
0: Yeah. I actually saw a TikTok about that. I don't know if I sent it to you, but this oh, man, really? he was washing the dishes. He always washes the dishes and talks about something. Apparently, if you are doing something with your hands while talking on TikTok, it gets you better reach. That's I don't know why- if that's true, but that's why people are usually doing something like random while they're talking. Yeah. yeah. Um And so this guy was talking about how your body, it's primitive, like our brain, the amygdala and, you know, where we process fear. It's the same as it's always been. Like if we were in the caves right now, my body doesn't know the difference between a bear attack and a slack message because because it's the same. Your body is like oh, danger, you know, yeah it doesn't really reason. So that's why in therapy and through practice, you learn to regulate that. But for highly sensitive people and, you know, for babies, they don't know the difference. Not not comparing a baby. I'm a highly sensitive person too. (laughs) But I mean, when you have like the, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Like your body doesn't. It doesn't know the difference. Like you don't have a switch in your brain that's like, this is anxiety for work scary. And this is anxiety. It's all car wreck scary. It's all
1: scary. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not your fault. That's really crazy to really. That's interesting to think about. Yeah, that makes me wonder when people are adrenaline junkies. They love being afraid for their life. I don't know because in it's just go to work. (laughs) Afraid for my life.
0: Just go to an interview. (laughs) If you're an adrenaline junkie.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Or maybe they're just tougher. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I think there's something too when you think about. I can't remember the word. It's like cortisol fatigue or something. Oh me. You get used to being stressed out to the point where you're just burnt out. Maybe mm. adrenaline junkies, it's their body is so used to the the adrenaline that they need more and more and more.
1: Maybe oh, it's opposite. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's in- that's interesting. Um when I was in college, my whole family went to the same doctor to get a bunch of blood tests and stuff, which is how I found out I'm gluten intolerant. Um but also, I had the highest cortisol levels out of everyone in my family. You win. I, well, it, it, which is just like they were in the red, um, which was really interesting. And I was like, "Wow, I'm just a little, little me, just little baby in college, the youngest." Like my, That's higher than my dad. You are the glue. Stop. I'm We serious. have to end this <laughs> right now.
0: No, Mia, because I've never done a cortisol test, but the person in the family that carries the most weight, they're the glue. They're the one holding it all together for everyone. And everyone might not appreciate it, but that's why. So, gold star.
1: Gold star. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you
0: were holding it together for them.
1: Thanks. Yeah. That's so nice. It's so, so sad,
0: too. It is sad, but you, I don't know, you did it, and everyone benefited. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Maybe not you, but
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well um do we have any other segments or anything else that we want to talk about in the sales versus marketing
0: i don't think so i think that what we said what we're proud of Mm -hmm. and we did our whole topic so do you have any last words
1: just last, last words is it all just comes down to respect and empathizing for other people and trusting that others are good at their jobs because they're not there for no reason yeah (laughs) and just talk to each other and just find out what each other needs because you might have some tools available that marketing needs and vice versa um and yeah go team i love us both
0: yeah i agree i think that key takeaways sales and marketing just need to communicate their leaders need to communicate if you haven't been communicating. There's no reason you can't start over right now. Yes. Like, just create, just say, you know what? On Monday, we're starting over. I'm I'm turning over a new leaf. You know, I think that there's there's never, it's never a bad time to start over. So, love that. 100%. Just start over. Sales and marketing, just become
1: friends. What did you say in the beginning? Enemies to lovers trope? Yeah, en- enemies to lovers. That's just start to strategize how that's gonna play out yeah um, but it ends in lovers so yeah that means there's hope yes 100 <laughs> um,
0: <sighs> okay well this was a great conversation um i'm really glad we got to talk about sales versus marketing if you're listening to this please leave a review yes five stars preferably and share this with another anxious marketer because we really want to create a community where we can talk about mental health and marketing and being a professional and all the things that come with it. So share this with someone you love. Yes. And oh. if you love us,
1: yes. share it. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Anxious Marketers. Um, Just find the gold star. Yes. And check out our website.
0: And if you're really interested, you can also send us a connect request on LinkedIn. Totally. If you want to talk, shop. We're here for it. Yes.
1: So, yeah. Yes. Hannah O'Brien and Mia Reed. Mm hmm. Um, over and out. Over and out. 10 4 good buddy. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.